T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one... They're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Better send those refunds. Molly at Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. Wow, what a what a wild weekend in the NFL. That divisional round is usually uh, really good games, and it wasn't quite uh, that spectacular as we usually see. No, but, but you got to love Joe Burrow and his confidence. Oh, my God. And the swagger that he Incredible. definitely he has wor- he, he, he has kind of become this guy that leaves no doubt. And his confidence is something that I think is easy to appreciate or like more than it is to kind of rub you the wrong way. Joe he, Cool. Joe, he is Joe Cool. I mean, he you do get the sense that, that you know, he's unflappable. Like, you know, he's not crazy celebrating. He's just kind of having a cigar in the locker room. I mean, he's <laughs> he is just – he's the best young quarterback in the NFL. He's still very young. And – um I think his story is pretty extraordinary, you know, transferring from Ohio State to LSU, having this fantastic season where he wins a national championship, becoming the number one overall pick in the NFL draft. And just like kind of it's like he matured before our eyes. And he was a bit of a it, it was when you look at guys in college, you always want to know how consistent has their success been. But with Joe Burrow, it was just sort of the one year, the one glorious year, and his his accuracy is unbelievable as a passer. And then he obviously gets injured, and they they get his buddy Jamar Chase, and they have been unbelievable. The last two years, he has won five playoff games now in the previous seasons, in the history of the Cincinnati Bengals. They had a total of five playoff wins, and now this guy has five of himself in two years. It's remarkable, and the the credit goes to him and primarily him. He does have some help. But I think that when you look at the Bengals, you Joe expect, Mixon was awesome in that game, well, too. Joe Mixon was, and I think those, those are, other things happened because you almost take for granted Joe Burrow's going to do what he does. He is 5-1 and one in the postseason, and he's already – you know, at this point of his career, it, he hasn't been around that long, and he's five and one in the playoffs. But three things uh, that that I think are also worth pointing out. Number one is Joe Mixon and his contributions. That ground game with him—he's a dynamic runner. He doesn't go down easily, and he can make the first guy miss. Secondly, and this might be the primary thing that yes. carried them on su- uh, Sunday, their offensive line Incredible. was playing with three new starters. Yeah. Three guys injured. Yep. The other two that were the, the the holdovers weren't exactly 
guys that you look at, oh, yeah, that's their pedigree. He was the Outland Trophy Award winner. No, they're guys that are pieced together and coached well to the point where they protected Burrow and they also established the running game against a very good defense with Leslie Frazier that it wasn't very good when it needed to be. And then the third thing I think is easy to overlook. I mentioned it earlier. How many people could name the Bengals' defensive coordinator? Lou Anarumo. Remember that name because he is a guy that is going to likely get these head coaching interviews, be the next guy that they look at because this Bengal defense, very underrated and very good. With only two of five starters left on the offensive line, the thinking wasn't whether or not they were going to be able to out-physical a team like Buffalo. It was how badly is Joe Burrow going to get beaten? How badly is he going to – and they came out and ran the ball, and they they dominated the line of scrimmage with three new starters. That is unbelievable. That is extraordinary that they played such a physical game. And Joe Mixon, they got him going. And, I mean, from, from the beginning of the game, they, they just marched down the field and scored. And, and that's why. That was incredible. I, I think In the because, snow. Uh, and Joe Burrow just completing passes and – Come on now. So you're impressed with the Bengals because of the way they executed offensively. But if you're a Bills fan, you have to be severely disappointed in your defense. They thought they were going to win the they Super Bowl they two were years running. And look what's win. happened. The Super Bowl, sure, Josh Allen was a little disappointing, hasn't risen up to the occasion at times. But that defense, Mully, was – Yeah. They didn't stop anybody. And I Leslie know. Frazier, good, good assistant coach. I hope he gets a head coaching job. But – for Tony Romo, goodness sakes, is he still talking? Tony Romo to call that the most dynamic system in the NFL. It's a cover two. It's a it's a Tampa two. It's a 43. It's the same thing the Bears use. I, the most dynamic defense? What, what game was he watching yesterday? I, I, I think that sometimes we get used to saying things because they sound like familiar labels. There, there are there – are, our go-to things that help us keep in our comfort zone. But the Bills' defense was anything but dynamic yesterday, and Leslie Frazier did not have a good day. Who had the worst day among broadcasters? You heard uh, I, I don't even think it's close. Yeah. It, it was Tony Romo on I, the landslide. He was At one point, he said something like, that, that is a perfectly thrown pass. It's just a little wide. Yeah, no. Like, Tony, <laughs> like, d- isn't it one or the other? <laughs> well, he How do- could it be perfectly thrown wide? He does that on occasion. He drink, he brings you in and makes a point, and then he refutes the point, and then he goes off on a tangent, and I just don't think it's real The process of the, ca- the process of the catch, the process of the catch uh, rule, right, mm-hmm. where the guy – catches the ball but the ball moved and it didn't fall or anything but they ruled that I thought that was a touchdown but they ruled it process of the catch that he had the ball was moving when he was out of bounds whatever the rule was Tony Romo said I think that's a touchdown but you know maybe it wasn't something along those lines it was like he he literally contradicted himself while giving it it was a it was a touchdown but you they you could rule that it was something like that like he says things in a way that he's trying to cover every conceivable base so it's people awful. can't come back and say, you said this and you didn't say that and you didn't include this possibility. At one point in time, I think it was after the Bengals' final touchdown, he mentioned that the Bengals' offensive coordinator, Brian Callahan, would be in line 
for head coaching jobs. He mentioned the Bengals' defensive yes. coordinator. Yes. And then he got into Leslie Frazier again. Hey, the Bengals just scored a touchdown. Let's break down that. It was, Instead of getting on a tangent, so now weird. you're you're talking yeah. about Leslie Frazier. It was just really it, maddening. I think the problem with him is that when he first came out, he was almost like predicting every play because he had been playing and he knew all the teams and he knew what was going to happen. And now he's removed a little bit. And he's kind of comfortable in what he's doing, and he's just turned into this kind of – it's just not very good. I mean, he just had a horrible day yesterday. It wasn't his best work. I, I would agree with that. So let's go back to the game that you referenced earlier, or one of the two games on Saturday. The Giants were so bad that you think that it it really uh, – cast a cloud over the success they had this season yes. with don't Brian you, Dable. Don't you agree with that? I think, it's, I think in New York that's going to be the takeaway. Yes. I don't know if that's always fair when that happens. Well, I mean, Daniel Jones went from, you know, he's this, you know, must-back future of the team sure. to like, oh, Daniel Jones stinks. It, it was literally the reaction from New York, which is always going to be negative, was horrific. I mean, and they, they didn't lose that game. They got – Absolutely destroyed. Manhandled. There were tire marks. Wasn't on them. close. And you know it's funny because yes. whatever it was a twenty-eight to nothing at the half. Whatever it was, uh, I, I just I, I think we were texting like, hey, this isn't the Chargers. You know they're not going to let them back <laughs> right. in the game. This yeah. thing is long over. Well, I guess the question I'm asking then is that it related to Daniel Jones because coming into this game, we did celebrate the progress he made under Brian Dable and this scheme and how it accentuated his skill set and the positives with a very limited wide receiving core. Right. Was he bad enough against the Eagles? Was this team and this loss bad enough to make you question whether or not they should commit to him for, for the long term? Because that's a decision they're going to have to face this offseason because of his contract status and because of the way that this season ended against the Eagles. It's a, it's a really good question. I think that we felt that – you know, Brian Dable had outcoached his opponent, and we felt that uh, uh, he had outplayed his opponent. We just felt so differently about the Giants the week before that you know it, you shouldn't swing completely away. I don't think I don't think I want to make a judgment on their season based on the last game of it, right? Right. And I think that I think that what you saw from him, the growth he showed up to that point you should feel pretty good about. They just ran into a buzzsaw team that had been off for a week and was uh, was ready. I mean, they, they were ready from the minute that game started. It was going to be it was going to be awful hard for the Giants, and it was a familiar opponent. And we kept hearing this: "Oh, it's hard to beat a team three times." They beat the hell out of them. Well, I think that they did that, and it was bad enough to ask these questions if you're following the Giants and looking forward. And the reason I think it's an important and interesting issue is because every quarterback situation, every quarterback potentially on the move this offseason indirectly affects the Bears. Right. Because of the teams that may be heading into the draft thinking, well, we're fixated on getting one of the top three quarterbacks. We would have the uh, capital to move up. And the Bears are open for business. So when you talk about Daniel Jones, it's not just because, well, boy, are we going to overreact like every New Yorker who watched that game? It's because if Daniel Jones hits free agency, then that's an extra seat that is not occupied by a starting quarterback in the NFL. Among the many reports over the weekend, 
came out that uh, obviously Derek Carr is the guy everyone's waiting on because that's the first kind of penny to drop. But apparently Tom basically hinted at or flat out said that that was the end in Tampa, according to various teammates. He's gone. He's gone from yeah. Tampa. He's not coming back there. So the question is, is he coming back? Um, there were there were stories about where Aaron Rodgers could land. Because Schefter had there a report. Are, he, there, were, there were three different places he mentioned. Uh, he, he talked about him leaving, right? And, and so I think that all of this stuff directly impacts the Bears. So you want to you wanna keep an eye on where the free agent market goes with these guys because you want to make sure. I, I still think the obvious candidates are probably going to be the obvious candidates, but I'm a little worried about Indy getting out of that Well, that's mix. the point, is yeah. that with Chris Ballard's history yes. and the temptation to go maybe – uh, sign or trade for a guy like a Derek Carr, right. or what if Tom Brady's available? Oh my! By the way, I might be able to pull off that deal for Aaron Rodgers if indeed he is on the trade market. Then all of a sudden, your most likely trade candidate, if you're Brian Poles, no longer has a need for a quarterback. So, all right, I think when we start talking about this subject and these particular players, that you've got to look at what's going on in the NFL, like with Kyler Murray, um, with uh, with Russell Wilson. Giving guaranteed money to guys has been a little bit of a train wreck. I'm going to be really curious to see what happens with Lamar Jackson and how they work through that and what that contract good looks example. like. It is great it example. Is, it is kind of scary to see – how teams can get themselves into like a real problem. And I'll throw Green Bay in there too. If Rodgers is indeed leaving, they're going to have a 40 something million dollar cap hit. I know it's one year, but that's a big hit. But don't you think it that two years. when you look at the, the origin of that report, it comes from Adam Schefter. There's not a, an NFL insider any more plugged in than that guy. Where did that come from? Who benefits from that getting leaked? Is it Aaron Rodgers who wants to be on the move? I don't think so. I believe. It's just a guess, a hunch, but the Packers might be ready to move on. Well, and, and getting and this out there now for teams to consider, you know, they might think, they well, move you know, on, they're moving on to Jordan Love. They're not moving on. See, this is what I'm saying. That's bad in two ways. Whoever they trade him to is no longer looking for a quarterback, isn't going to trade up. They got Aaron Rodgers. And whoever trades him, being Green Bay, they got Jordan Love ready. They're not going to trade up. They're going to give him a chance. Well, what do they get in return for Aaron Rodgers? What well, is the draft haul that it, they get? Yeah. And is that pick some a top 10 pick? Is that pick something that would compel them to consider taking a quarterback to adding to Jordan Love? I don't know. I think you're right. I think there's a curiosity in Green Bay. What do we have in Jordan Love? At some point in time, you're going to have to find out. And this might be the offseason to try to execute that plan and get something in return for Aaron Rodgers before, frankly, and I think this is the biggest driver, he walks away and you get nothing. Right. He could retire at any moment. And you might – look, he's a football diva. You know how we feel about him on this show, but – It's a I, lot of guaranteed money. Let's put it that way. If he decides not to play, then he's leaving a lot of chips on the table. But let's say he decides not to play after next year and you don't get anywhere if you're the Packers right. looking ahead – would that's, you rather trade him true. now and get something in return for a team desperate for a quarterback, or would you risk him coming back and you go, oh, 10 and 7 and get knocked out in the first round? And oh, by the way, see you, Aaron. Thanks for the memories. We get nothing in return. 
So I don't know. I think that if you're the Packers, you may have something to gain from getting it out there that, you know what, we're open for let's make a deal. And I mentioned Kyler Murray and I mentioned Russell Wilson because those are the real disasters. What about Dak Prescott? What about a guy a guy who's thrown four picks in his last five playoff games, right? Something like that? I, I understand why you would throw him in there this morning. I, I do think that it's a lot of if money. you talk about those three specifically – Dak is going to be the safest investment of those three. I, I do. I think Dak Prescott right. is a winning quarterback. Well, the quarterback. other two are kind of a disaster. Yeah, because of but, the injury and because of the ineffectiveness. But, but, but if you're Dak Prescott, it, you know, you you are more is expected of you because of the salary you command absolutely than true. is expected of a of a seventh round rookie. So <laughs> yes. so like all he has to do is not throw a pick. I think he had an eighty seven. Don't float the out route. rating or something. D- don't you can't yeah. float that pass. But, but but the other guy lost the game because he's turning the ball over. Yeah, I, I think that Dak though. I can't imagine them moving on from him. I know that's not what you're suggesting. But, I, I'm not. But it's going to dictate I'm saying be, future I'd be contracts. Careful. Yeah, I'd be careful about how I pay my quarterback. Well, the thing is, if you're the Ravens, for instance, yeah, if they do anything except for tag him with the franchise tag label, I think they're making a mistake because of what you said. Are you going to guarantee Lamar Jackson $150 million or $130 million or whatever the case may be? $100 million at this point seems like a, a, a big risk. If you are uh, in, in a situation where now you, you didn't mention the Browns guaranteeing Deshaun Watson. Right, oh, my right. gosh. There you go. There's How do you feel if you're example. the Vikings yeah. and all that money you guaranteed Kirk Cousins? Of all the ones we mentioned, that might have been the biggest return on their investment, even though they haven't gotten anywhere in the playoffs. He at least has been productive. I, I'm just saying the quarterback – thing is a big deal for everyone and everyone needs one and it's gonna it just reinforced to me that you get a guy on his rookie deal you know and Chicago's open for business you're in good shape you're in good shape no doubt about it and yet it's impossible to ignore who I think is the the coach that I would want of the of the four remaining right now Kyle Shanahan is going back to the NFC championship game with his, what, another quarterback. Third time in four years? Yes. Wow. And this time, it's the second year in a row. Yeah. Last year, he did it with Garoppolo. This year, it's with Brock Purdy. Yeah. And it's not with the quarterback. They traded three draft picks and moved up to get. Three draft picks for Trey Lance. It's incredible. Um, but, David, they scored 19 points. And they were lucky to get 19 points. And the game was won by their defense, limiting Dallas to 12 points. And Dallas... Again, what are you doing with the kicker thing? You, you, if you had a proper kicker, that would have changed the way you play. Maybe you go into halftime tied. Maybe you, uh, maybe you had taken or a with lead a lead. earlier or with a lead. A nine to six lead. I'm just saying. You could have done that you and then you played differently that. in exactly. the third quarter. Exactly. You have a different halftime conversation. That's right. See, that was the biggest mistake that Mike McCarthy will regret is letting your kicker be in a position where he he mattered against the 49ers never should have happened never should have happened after that, was that to his decision i mean that's what i'm saying like i i, I mike organizational fails then again oh and four against san francisco as a head coach disaster mike mccarthy really really struggled with that decision at fourth and ten i mean i don't know how you don't go for you're not going to get the ball you know what i mean that was kind of crazy. Why not know you're going four downs and try to get a first down? 
and then try to keep getting first Is downs. Is he coming back, McCarthy? Um, I, you know, I, I, it's I, a really good question. They say he is. I know they say I, he I, is. I would. I would. Sean Payton's out there. I would totally hire Sean Payton. Sean Payton's out there. I would hire Sean Payton because <sighs> you need to fix your quarterback a little bit. I, I would. I, I just. I'm being honest. I think he's a better. By the coach. way, all the Mike McClinchy fans out there, the Bears are clamoring for that free agent to right tackle. He's he might play in the Super Bowl, but Micah Parsons threw him around like a rag doll yesterday. You know, I, I think if the Bears could get into the playoffs and have Micah Parsons throwing the guy around, <laughs> you take it'd be it. well worth uh, it. Good point. All right, we've got the great Tom Thayer joining us next. Molly and Hall on the score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Now with the MLB app, you can get baseball your way. Pick your favorite team, your favorite players, and get customized highlights, stories, and breaking news right on your home feed. Follow the action with Game Tip, where 3D replays add another dimension. Plus, notifications can keep you connected to every pitch, every hit, every game. The MLB app. Baseball, your way. Download it now for free from the App Store or Google Play. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trade parts used with permission. Tom Thayer, Chicago Bears radio analyst. There was one time we were playing Tampa short yards goal line. I was in the end zone waiting for Harbaugh to throw me the ball. Instead of throwing the ball, he ran it in. And I go, Jim, you could have padded your stats by throwing me a one-yard pass. He goes, I know, but I thought you would drop it. (laughs) You think you had good hands? I I know I did. 41-12. Look at these things. 1985 Super Bowl champion. Walter Payton, Mike Ditka, Hungary, Chicago, finally champions on this January day in New Orleans. Tom Thayer with Mully and Haw on 670 The Score. Bears. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Tom Thayer is simply a local legend. And it is a humiliation to share the airwaves because we are clearly not worthy. But uh, but the great man joins us now on the Signature Bank Score hotline. Signature Bank, making commercial banking personal. Tom, what a privilege. How are you, buddy? Molly, I can never fill your shoes, but thanks for the compliments. <laughs> <laughs> you probably couldn't fill my shoes because your feet are three times their size. <laughs> uh, so listen, Tom, we're watching these games, and it, it was pretty extraordinary, I think, to see three different linemen being able to dominate the Buffalo Bills in the way that they did. Cincinnati going into Buffalo and winning has to – and not just winning – kind of dominating that game. That has to be the most surprising uh, turn of events. That, that Even though we knew they could do it, it was still pretty extraordinary. Yeah, to me, I was disappointed because I thought Leslie Frazier was showing his hand too early at the line of scrimmage. 
when you have an interruption in personnel at the offensive line, the last thing you want to do is give these guys seconds within their mind to be able to communicate their assignments, whether it's run blocking or pass protection. So Leslie, instead of bringing bodies from the second or third level during the course of the cadence, he started during in the cadence lined up at the line of scrimmage already. So when you talk about an offensive line, that gives plenty of time to make sure that everybody is understanding of the gap they're responsible for, the direction of the protection, and then the quarterback where their vulnerabilities lie. And I was kind of thinking, I was going, gosh, Leslie, why wouldn't you, you know, come from different levels during the cadence? So now you're interrupting the thinking process of whatever new offensive lineman is in there that knows the system the least. And so, you know, that kind of stuck out in my mind, you know, the whole time. And then, you know, Joe Burrow, he doesn't have a lot of pre-snap movement. So when they break the huddle, they kind of go to the line of scrimmage, understanding what the play was called and now what everybody's responsibility is. So, yeah, that kind of caught me a little bit uh, back, but just because I was thinking, man, with three offensive linemen in there, uh, Buffalo should be coming from everywhere but where they're expected to come from. That's a great point, Tom. And I think here in Chicago, we're always straining for takeaways, looking at what teams do that have success in the playoffs and how the Bears might be able to copy that or how close are they to doing that. I don't know if that if there is any obvious ones that stood out over the weekend. I know everyone wants to point to Jalen Hurts and the, the step that he made and maybe Justin Fields can make a similar step, and I hope that's true. But, boy, the Eagles surrounded him with a lot uh, of talent on the on the perimeter and also with an offensive line that protects him. Do you see anything close to a Bears takeaway possibility in the playoffs? Um, well, you know, you said it. You know, can Justin Fields take the step that Jalen Hurts has, has been able to take? But, you know, when you're talking about the support of the running game that, uh, that they gave um, – the Eagles, the Eagles had, you know, you look at the amount of two, oh, well over 200 yards rushing. And that kind of t- relieves a little pressure from any quarterback, no matter if you're the most experienced or, the mo- or, you know, a guy that's developing. You look at, you know, Tom Brady, for example. Here's a guy that thinks he can go out there and throw the ball 70 times per game in the whole season and then come out, you know, with a successful season at the end. No, you can't. Once you become that one-dimensional that your your offensive performance, your offensive rhythm is never going to be achieved. But when you look at what uh, you know the giant or the Eagles have been able to do to help a guy like Jalen Hurts and the uncertainty is his shoulder healthy or not, um, boy, what, you know what a big plus that has given him. And I think um, the Bengals might have had 144 yards rushing themselves. So you know the teams that needed to run the ball to support their quarterback they are both able to do it and then I think if you look at a you know you do a reshuffling of the quarterback position right now you know Joe Burrow may you know right you know and it's kind of hard to you know evaluate Patrick Mahomes Patrick Mahomes 100% healthy is still probably up there at the top but you look at what Joe Burrow's been able to do with a injured offensive line and going in there to a really hostile environment in Buffalo during a snowstorm and have the game he has. And, you know, uh, Jalen Hurts, uh, you know, he's using athleticism, accuracy, intelligence, and the support, uh, you know, a supporting cast to have, you know, one of the better performances in the playoffs. 
the, the San Francisco defense really carried them to victory. I'm just curious, how do you see the matchup between San Francisco and the Eagles? And, you know, again, no rookie quarterback has ever been in the Super Bowl, let alone won a Super Bowl. But if ever there was a team that seemed kind of quarterback proof, maybe it's this one. Yeah, but you know what? I'm not going to let San Francisco come in here and do what they want to do. And that's, you know, uh, rush the passer or trying to make him uh, so unproductive on first down that immediately you, you give them the advantage by being able to put their pass rushers um, in use. To me, I'm going to try to be as physical as possible. And I've always said it at, at Bosa, and I'm going to try to give him a pounding in first and second down to take a little bit of his third down sting and I know they have other guys too but you know point of emphasis is always where can I put Nick Bosa to give him the best opportunity to uh, to rush the passer so my first priority for the Philadelphia Eagles would be to run the ball as much as I possibly can keep and keep their defense their defensive pass rushers in a run accepting stance and it's it's two different stances when you look at defensive linemen that want to be pass rushers or defensive linemen that need to be run stoppers so tom we haven't talked to you since last tuesday kevin warren was introduced at hallis hall big day for the organization Uh, he won the press conference and now the hard work really begins what was your biggest takeaway from the kevin warren introduction you know, that he's left a positive impression behind him wherever he's come from. Um, I know a lot of guys on the Rams Super Bowl team, and I've talked to a lot of those guys. I know Pete Bursich really well with the Minnesota Vikings. I talked to him for a while. And then you even get a, you know, a, 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 you know, a positive message from what, where he's come from. And I know that some of the difficulty that he had to live through in his tenure at the Big Ten with the pandemic and everything and expansion and all that kind of stuff. However, when you look at where it's, where it's at after he leaves, it's probably better off in every one of those football teams. Um, and I, you know, I don't, you know, I know early in his career, it's not necessarily that he was his responsibility to keep the team running. However, the team was better off when he left it than when he got there. And I think that's super important because the bears are an organization right now that they need to be better. They need to get better. They need to be able to turn uh, Justin Fields and um, off off season free agent money and this position in the draft into a, a division qualifier. They need to, you know, they need to, he needs to turn this team into a division winner and um, with more immediacy than, than time, because you've got Detroit that's really getting this thing turned around uncertainty about the quarterback position, both in green Bay and Minnesota. And that's the one position that you have certainty in in Chicago is the quarterback position. So if this thing is uh, competing for a division next year and into the future, then I think that says a lot about what he's able to accomplish. But what he's accomplished up until that point, you know, sure live, sure is a, a positive um, in all the places he's been. Yeah, you know, it's it's really interesting to kind of look at the playoffs through the lens of the Bears, right? To try to figure out um, how far they are away, what all these results mean in terms of, you know, we know that it's pretty wide open, and in the NFC you got like a really good team without a really good quarterback in San Francisco and and no rookies ever made uh, the the big game. And then you got the Eagles 
who the Bears kind of want to be, right? Jalen Hurts, and and he's the one guy left that you could kind of see a little Justin Fields in, and Hurts really put in all the time. It's just like a, it's like a little snapshot of where you want to be, but I'm not sure how quickly you get there, and, and I'm not sure if you can get everything accomplished. Um, just looking at how much money is available to people, obviously the Bears have the most amount of money, but that, that just means that there's going to be like a real bidding war because there's a lot of teams with a ton of money, including places like New England, um, you know, places that uh, are going to be able to spend the money too. Yeah, but, you, you know, look at those other teams and look at what position um, that they need the most. And right now, if you narrowed it down, you said, okay, what are the Bears? If they're only going to be able to pick two positions, I would still say offensive and defensive line. And when you look at the Philadelphia Eagles and what they, you know, when they break the huddle, both in offense and defense, you look what's coming at them. You look at kind of what San Francisco has been able to do when they break the huddle and what's coming at you. So to me, is hey, what is what is New England's priority and what is uh, what are the Bears' priorities? And I and I do think um, the Bears' priority is offensive and defensive line. And you know, New England might be a team out there that. Still looking for that core. Is Mac Jones the future? Is he, you know, is is he the guy that's going to bring a championship to New England and and build Belichick's second go around, or are they going to have to replace the quarterback? And it's going to be interesting to see where they feel that they stand at this point. Tom Luke is going to be the head coach at the Senior Bowl. Give him some experience and also up close and personal look at any prospects. What are your thoughts on that, and how valuable of a resource could that be? Um. You know, I, God, you know, it's kind of funny because Luke Getzey being the offensive coordinator, I, you know, like to see, you know, how well he coaches the plan that's in place because they're giving him a playbook. He's not bringing his playbook to the senior bowl. And so how quickly can he teach uh, this system efficiently to a young group of guys that he's going to meet? And then a week later, they're going to play a game. And I, you know, I've been to the college all-star games and I know how vanilla some of these game plans can be. However, that's, you know, is going to, you know, see from Luke. But, uh, you know, I guess if Luke was the offensive coordinator for the Bears and they were going there to pay attention to the quarterback position, that would be one thing. But to me, it's still about is Luke going to be able to keep his eye on offensive and defensive linemen when they're going through one-on-ones or when he's watching tape of their seven-on-seven or teamwork drills because that's, again, what we're talking about being able to identify. But maybe there's a quarterback that – Luke will see that is a draftable guy that is a solid future backup for Justin, and you could possibly de- develop into either a, a draft day asset, a, a trade asset, or even a guy that may be able to come in and, and play for you at some point in their career. Oh, man, I got to tell you, Tom, it is, uh, it's just sad that we talk about all these playoff teams and the Bears seem – so no. far away. I mean, I would love. I'm with you. You know, I just, I just, I don't know how you get that much better that quickly. I, I, I think they're going to do a lot in free agency, and obviously the draft. You've got that number one pick, and hopefully they can cash in on it. But it, it's almost like they have to cash in on it because the next pick they have is like whatever fifty three, fifty four. So one pick in the top fifty. If that can get you multiple picks in the top fifty, then maybe you have a chance. But Man, I, I know people love their rookie class and everything, but there's just so many openings on this team. It just feels you know, you know, I'm not listen, I I'm not I'm not saying, boy, oh, the Bears got the number one pick in the draft. It's all gonna be turned around next year. No, I'm with you. I want this thing turned into 
multiple picks. But then if you're going to turn it into multiple picks, I want to see an 1983 resulted draft. <laughs> you know, when it was Jimbo and Willie Galt in yep. Mike Richardson, Mark Bortz, uh, Richard Dent, myself, you know, um, and, and just and the other guys that came came along there, you know, Dorson and stuff. So if you can hit on one of these drafts that give you a draft class that is going to be the core of your division winning playoff winning future, that's what the Bears have to focus on more than, oh, this one pick in the draft, because. Listen, man, I see, I've, we've seen as many failures as we've seen success stories out of the number one pick in the draft. Mm. But when you're talking about the success, success story where you took one pick and turned it into three or four picks, and then the, result, the overall result of that draft, cl- draft class, it may play more of an important role than just having that one player at, at, the, at the top of the draft. And I don't know if that guy is there. Is you know, there's no one yep. really to me that I'm going. Oh my God, I gotta, I gotta have this guy in the, in the locker room by tomorrow. Yeah, it's a it's a great point, Tom. You're the best. Thank you, buddy. Great catching up with you. Thanks, Tom. All right, guys. Talk to you soon. Yeah, mm. uh, gotta tell you, he's so right. You know, it's not just having a successful draft. It's having one that is successful for years. It's one that three years later, you're like, wow, can you believe they got all these guys? He referenced the most successful draft in Bears history. Yeah. 1983, Covert, Willie Galt, Mike Richardson, Dave Durson, Tom Thayer, Richard Dent, Mark Bortz. Those are uh, six of the top eight picks or seven of the top eight picks that they chose that year. It's incredible. Really just amazing. And. You know, again, that's not just guys that started because you had openings. That's guys that uh, developed into incredible players. Mark Bortz was like, it was Dustin's childhood hero, if I'm not mistaken. Eighth rounder. Bortzy. What a, what a powerful, tough guy. I remember going into the locker room one time, and he had three fingers pointing in three different directions. And I was like, <laughs> I looked at him, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, what? Like you know, what? I mean, if I had a paper cut, I'd be hospitalized. And the guy's like, fingers don't matter in football. No, they don't. I will never forget him saying that. <laughs> I guess not if you're an offensive lineman. 312-644-6767. It's Mully and Haw on the score. Well, certainly Oscar Colas is going to give him, be given every opportunity to see if he you know, can become our right fielder on a daily basis. Not something people want to hear, but I, I'm really looking forward to seeing Eloy in right field, and, and I'm not talking about seeing him there every day, but I'm talking about seeing him there, you know, maybe a day or two, a, a week if, if possible, and keeping him, you know, athletic and keeping him working, you know, on the defensive side, because I know that helps uh, on, you know, on the offensive side as well. Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 of the score. There is the voice of the manager of the Chicago White Sox and David, you had him on as a guest, and that is where that comes from. He was on inside the clubhouse on Saturday morning. Good get. I saw Bruce. It was a good interview. Pedro Grafal is really going a long way toward making the White Sox more likable. <laughs> he is relatable. I like what he had to say. I didn't like that part of it, to be honest with you. That clip specifically was interesting and significant. But I don't think any Sox fan welcomes the idea of Aloy playing right field because, number one, it's not where he's used to playing in left field. And number two, anywhere in the field is a bad idea for a guy who is now your designated hitter. The sooner he accepts that, the better. 
and the the fewer opportunities he gets to play the outfield, I think the is the better for the White Sox as well. That was the one thing in that interview that did not come across as like, oh yeah, okay, I get that. I don't get that. Yeah, uh, you know, I I think I understand the idea that you want to keep Eloy interested, that you want Eloy Eloy views himself as an outfielder, and maybe earlier in the season you could have some fun with that idea. But, you know, we've been down this road. You know, we have seen the White Sox roll a bunch of of guys into the outfield that aren't outfielders, and it hasn't worked. And I I don't think that Aloy works in right field. It doesn't do much for me. I don't think that uh, Gavin Sheets belongs in the outfield. I know that Andrew Vaughn doesn't belong in the outfield. I I just think that for whatever reason, they've loaded up their roster – with a bunch of kind of first baseman and uh, designated hitter, um, hitters. And as a result, they've got to try to move guys all over the place. The problem with this, it's not, it's not that I'm against any of this. Stuff. It's just they haven't had the power. You know, you do that so you have power. And guess what? It hasn't worked for them. And so now you go out and you get yourself a left fielder who won a gold glove. I don't know if he's a gold glove left fielder, but he won a gold glove. He's an upgrade. And he's an upgrade from what you had out there, no question about it. But is he going to supply the power that you want from your corner outfield position? I don't know the answer. Don't know. Probably not. They want to move guys in and out. but, But Eloy in the outfield doesn't do a hell of a lot for me. Eloy in right field in particular. That's that's mindless. I hear you. From my Some other things point. that came through with from talking to Pedro Grafol, he talked about the plan. I asked him specifically about right field and second base and catcher. I don't know if they have an answer at catcher. The beyond Yasmani Grandal, who he spoke highly of, of course. Second base, it sounds like, is going to be by committee. You're going to give somebody a chance to earn that job and keep it. Romy Gonzalez mentioned uh, Lenin Sosa also, but he mentioned Louis Garcia in a way that I think made White Sox fans cringe a little bit. As, as part of an opening day option. I asked him about Lucas Giolito and the off-season regimen that we have talked about. He trimmed down 25 pounds, re-kind re of uh, defined his mechanics again, and he talked about Lucas Giolito coming back with a chip on his shoulder. And the word, the, the term chip on his shoulder is something that in about 20 minutes, Molly, Pedro Gafol referenced about three times. This is a team that I think is going to be uh, challenged to not be as lackadaisical, not not to take days off the way that they did last year. And I think this manager is not going to let them. Well, that's good news. Um, what is disturbing to me is that I have heard him say now repeatedly, I mean, three or four times I've heard him say that when you played the White Sox, you needed to know which version of the team was had come that day, whether they were going to actually be engaged and come at you or whether they were just kind of sitting back and low energy and nothing coming from them. It's, it's sinful what went on with the White Sox in this rebuild. And I, I don't, I mean, there's, it's obviously Jerry's decision and it was Jerry's decision to hire Tony La Russa and Tony La Russa, whatever, you know, Dustin believes that he had to reel in his personality in order to fit in with the players and, we never saw the fiery Tony La Russa that you expected. And, I, you know, whether or not that's the case, the fact of the matter is it was a bad hire and it, it was a, uh, a spanner in the works during 
what was supposed to be a glorious couple of years for the Chicago White Sox. And it feels like not only has the window kind of shut a bit, it's been slammed down on our fingers, right? It's it's kind of your your hands are are uh, tingling from getting that window shut on you. It still hurts. I love the term spanner in the works. It's the British term, I believe. It means things did not go well and something got in the way. It means someone and, threw a wrench yeah, into the machinery. Something to, the, to that know. effect. And everybody knows what you mean when you say it. I just think looking back, it is disappointing. And there's a lot of cynicism that is left over and the residue exists. Get it. Pedro Grafal is doing what he can, I think, right now to to set a new tone. And he, that's why I do feel like, not to belabor this point, but not having the Sox Fest, a fan convention, uh, for reasons that, that they feel are legitimate, is a missed opportunity. A lot of Sox fans want to be heard, and they want to believe in something positive again. Pedro Grafal is a pretty positive force himself. And I think that the more you hear from him, the more relatable he seems. He's got to win. He's got to make smart decisions, but I do think that he is likable, and that's a good start. Yeah, I, I wouldn't argue that. Um, all right, we got to get to uh, to our guy. We're going to bring in the great Ron Coomer. We're going to talk some baseball with Ron. We'll talk about uh, his relationship with uh, Lynn Bramer as well. It's Mully and Hall at Chicago Sports Radio 6-7 of the score. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.